0: Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and diligently, or seek diligently, till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And then we go to Luke the nineteenth chapter, and I want to read one verse, and that's verse ten. And this is the conclusion of the Bible recordings of the statement or the conversation that Jesus had with uh, Zacchaeus. So Luke nineteen verse ten, Jesus says the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And God bless you. You may be seated. I want to speak on the subject. Jesus is searching for you. Now, we have a little bit of a ring, Brother Sonny, in this this mic. We got this mic because we thought it would be a very good mic for speaking, and we've had it for some time, and we haven't been able to really work with it. So we may have to uh, change this. Now before I get into the message any further, I would like to explain about our meeting tonight. We did make an announcement, but in the vestibule, on the chalkboard, you will find a preliminary drawing. Actually, there are three drawings, a site plan, an elevation plan, and a floor plan for our, our new auditorium and office complex. And what we will be deciding tonight is whether we want to go ahead and get working plans, that is, all the drawings, for uh, this particular floor plan. We did approve one a couple years ago, and it was considerably larger as far as classrooms and such. And we just saw that it was not affordable at this time, so we backed up. And we have a new set of plans, so we would like you to go by and look at it. We will be putting it on transparency tonight and explaining this in detail. Now, the elevation plan that you see, uh, there will be some change in that. They have not uh, really considered the exterior design as much as uh, they are considering it now, but we just didn't get the plan on it. Let's talk about Jesus is searching for you. We have seen evidence of this. There have been a good number of people coming to the Lord in recent months. I have received calls on the telephone from people that I have uh, never met, people asking questions about God. There is indeed a real hunger in this world for God. I think as we approach the seventh millennium of the human race, that is going into uh, the year of 2000, we're going to see more and more and more people desiring something that uh, in their life that uh, is real, not something that's uh, fictional, but something that is real. Last Sunday, uh, we baptized Jan Hack, and she received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Raise your hand, Jan. All right, and we're really thrilled about this, along with a good number of other people. I think Thursday night, we passed out some certificates. But in all of our services, we've been having people... Uh, come and give their life to the Lord. Uh, They are being filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, just like the apostles and the early saints did as recorded in the Scripture. Now Jesus spends considerable time in the chapter that I have read, that is a portion of the chapter I've read, Luke 15, talking about lost people. He first gives the parable of lost sheep and then he gives the parable of the lost coin. And then he gives the parable of the lost brother. And that is commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son. And uh, there seems to be three different categories that Jesus talks about. First, the lost sheep. This represents people, not just one person, but any person, who just strays away from God. In other words, uh, They uh, are lost simply because they just uh, just strayed away. They did not intend to to be lost, but uh, they just uh, didn't pay that much attention to the direction they were traveling in life, and before long they were away from uh, the fold. And then the lost coin. Some people are lost through displacement. Uh, Paul says in Romans nine. He says, Call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have never heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall he preach except he be sent? The reason why that Jesus gave the Great Commission, as recorded in Matthew 28, also as recorded in Mark 16, Luke 24, John 21, and in Acts 1, is because that there are many people that are in this world that need Bible salvation. And on foreign soils and various place, places, people have been displaced. Now, I did not say misplaced. They have been displaced. It appears that, that just intentionally by the devil and then, of course, by parents, that, that some are born into the world and they are shielded from God. They're shielded from religion. They are, they are guarded against Bible truths. And then we have the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son was an individual who went to his father and demanded uh, all of his goods. And, of course, he walked away from God. Some people will be lost simply because they walked away from God. In other words, I don't want to have anything to do with the church anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with God anymore. So they simply walk away. But we know that in all the parables that Jesus gave concerning individuals whether these are individuals that just stray whether they're individuals that are guarded and displaced or whether they're individuals that have a streak of rebellion in them and they want to walk away from God each parable tells us that God is there seeking to save them now I don't know if you've ever noticed in your own life have you ever lost something and how it just bothered you and Uh, something that uh, perhaps is not very valuable, but just something that that you lost. I am reminded of when we were moving. We moved two years ago this coming May into a new house, and uh, we had to move out of our old house before that the new house was completed, and so we rented a a storage uh, locker down close to Menard's uh, building supply, and then we left some back in the storage Shed where Brother and Sister Manley, our associate pastor, was moving. And and then we took some down to uh, the place and put it in a pole barn building where we were moving. Well, this was a very, very troubling time for me because I had stuff scattered all over, and we did use a good number of students from our Christian school and me not seeing where they put things uh you know I lost a lot of things i I just couldn't find them uh, brother Moran and brother uh, Dave Shroud I believe uh, brother Jeff uh, Rossing and Craig Rossing uh, also uh, uh Ryan Hittidor and, and then brother Hollis and, and and last year they came down we have some some beef cattle on the farm where we live, and and to get these cows registered, you have to tattoo a number in their ear. Well, I had gone to the store during all this move over at Farm and Fleet, and uh, I had picked up one of these tattoo uh, uh, tools. And, of course, you stack the numbers in, and it's quite an expensive thing, not real expensive, but I think it's in the $30 range or something like that. I took it to the house along with the, the ink and everything, got all set for it. And then uh, <coughs> I, don't, I really don't know what I did with it. Uh, I, I like to see things organized. I usually keep things organized. But I went to, to get it, and I could not find it. And I looked and looked and looked. I knew that we would be doing this on a Tuesday, which is the day that I normally take off from work. And Sister Grant and I just don't come in at all on Tuesdays. We do This is just our day at home relaxing or doing whatever work. We usually call uh, relax, uh, we usually spell it W-O-R-K, especially since we have moved into the new house. But would you believe I spent two or three weeks uh, there uh, fooling around with this thing trying to find it? I went up in the attic, I searched, we had a storage area in the attic, And we just stacked it full, but we did not uh, organize it. Uh, Since then, it has been organized, but (laughs) thanks to the college students. (coughs) And uh, I went over to uh, the storage bin. I couldn't find it. I went over to uh, the other parsonage. Couldn't find it there. I searched and searched and searched. A day or two before we were to do this tattooing, I searched. It's not that. It's it's not that the thing was that valuable. And I spent probably, if, if I were working on a job, several hundred dollars worth of time searching for this. But the fact that it was lost and, and I, I really needed it. And I just I just didn't want to go buy another one. Well, the night before that these people were to come out and help me, uh, I finally found my way back over to, to the farm store. And even while I was going to the farm store, I checked underneath the van seat. Uh, there, there's a little... Uh, uh, glove box underneath one of the seats. I, I got in the back, I crawled, I looked all around, I looked everywhere. I do not know where, I absolutely do not know where that tattoo too went. Now, if you happen to find it, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's got to be someplace, you know. It, it's like, like your socks, you know. You ever you ever lose socks? And Sister going to come and pile all these socks down. I, I look through them and I I said, there's, there's absolutely no mates at all here. And uh, <clears throat> I just can't figure out. You know, I, I, I just keep buying socks. I told her, I said, well, to, to solve the dilemma of the socks, just buy them all alike. Just don't ever buy anything with just this, this one color. Just, just, just buy the, the same thing. She said, well, I can't always find them. Well, I figured here in, in, the, in the States, you know, we have 257 million people. Uh, there must be at least half of those uh, uh, males, and then at least half of those would be uh, uh, young people and, and uh, adult men. So we must have at least 50 million or better adult men and teenagers here in the States. Now, each person I have talked with since since I told that story originally several, uh, well, about a year ago, uh, all have come up to me, and, and you know, that, and they talked about socks. I said, you know, I, I have the same problem. I can't find my socks. Well, see, if I, if you figure four people, uh, uh, that is uh, not four, but to each person having four pairs of socks lost, there, there must be at least 100 million pairs of socks someplace here in the States that's hid. Now, where in the world are they hiding? I don't know but uh, you know I search and search and search and I look and look and look now I've called your attention to some some little simple stories in life but but uh, I I can see Jesus as he searches for the people who are lost now you have to understand that God is omnipresent it's not like that Jesus has this monumental problem of coming down from glory in spirit form and walking on one path throughout this world that he is everywhere but nevertheless, the vernacular used in the Scripture is that He is searching for people. And just as He searched for people while He was in the flesh, uh, Jesus searches for people today. Now let me say this. Jesus still saves people. He does. The very same experience that, that people received in Bible days can be experienced today. Now Jesus still saves I want to talk about the word salvation. If you will turn in your Bibles to Acts, the fourth chapter, and we will read verse 12. This is a very, very familiar scripture to, to most Pentecostals because of our baptism exclusively in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins like the apostles baptized. Therefore, we have taken note of this scripture in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The definition of salvation simply means an act of saving or delivering. It uh, also means an act of redemption. And redemption that's found in the Bible, uh, the word is a little bit different. Uh, that is, the as it is found in its context, it's a little bit different than than what you would normally think of. Uh, Redemption actually in the Bible means twice saved. And you may say twice saved. Well, I remember reading the story of a little boy who was uh, on his birthday. uh, uh, Money was given to him, and he could buy anything that he wanted. So he went downtown with his father, and his father purchased a little sailboat with his money. And uh, so he took the sailboat, and he would take it down to the lake, and he would push it out and watch the wind. But his dad cautioned to him, said, Now, when you push it out, make sure the wind's blowing correctly so that it comes back to you. But one day when he pushed it out, he had miscalculated the wind somewhat, and so the the little boat sailed in the opposite direction. The little boy went back to his house, and very saddened over this, he tried to explain to his dad, they with flashlights went down to the lake at night. They searched diligently. They could not find the boat. And uh, then, uh, after many hours of worrying and fretting over this, he finally fell asleep. Uh, A few days later, this was still on his mind, but uh, after a period of time, he had somewhat forgotten about the boat. But one day, when he had collected some more money, he was walking down a street, and he saw a little buy-and-sell shop, and in the buy-and-sell shop window was his little boat. So he goes inside he talks to the owner about the boat, and he said, that's my boat. The man says, no, that is my boat. I purchased this. He said, yes, but I originally purchased this with my money. It belongs to me. But nevertheless, uh, the man would not give in. So the little boy hurriedly went back home, robbed his bank, came back to the store, and purchased the boat again. And when he walked out on the sidewalk, his dad was there. His dad wanted him to do this alone, uh, to teach him a lesson. But when he walked out on the side boat, side boat, on the sidewalk, he, he held up his little boat, and he told his dad, he said, this was mine. I paid for it. I lost it. I had to pay for it again. So it is twice purchased. And that's what redemption, according to Scripture, means. You belong to God because you were made in the image and in the likeness of God. God made you. He formed you from the dust of this earth. You were God's property. But Satan came by and stole your fidelity away from God. And as a result, when the human race began to multiply because of his fallen nature from the presence of God, men were born in this world as sinners. And so every man needs salvation. Every man needs salvation. And when Jesus Christ purchased you back by the shedding of his blood, upon calvary's cross you have been redeemed delivered in other words you have been twice saved man once was lost he was saved rather then he was lost and now he is found again i really appreciate the redemptive work of our lord jesus christ i really appreciate the redemptive work of our lord jesus christ jesus told a story i say told a story matthew tells a story about jesus and about the apostles that were sailing across the Sea of Galilee. And as they sailed across the Sea of Galilee in Matthew 8, a great storm came upon the sea, and Jesus, being very tired because of his ministry, decided that he would lie down and sleep, and that he did. And yet while this um, Savior was asleep, a great storm came upon the sea, and the little boat began to rock and reel and... And the, the disciples were very, very uncomfortable. Then they became very fearful. They were afraid. And what they did was they, they quickly uh, thought of Jesus, and they ran down, and they uh, woke him up, and they called him forth to the, to the, to the top. He was down in, in the boat asleep. They called him up uh, aboard, and, and they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus looked at them and said, Oh, ye of little faith. Jesus then looked out toward uh, the storms that were upon the sea. And he simply said, Wind, be still. And the Bible says there was a great calm. You could just see the wind blowing. And all of a sudden it stopped. And they were so amazed because they knew that the very elements of the air were held in in, in the hand of God, when God spoke the word, they just simply ceased. They were no more. Now, while this is a physical story that Jesus told, we know that the Bible is full of stories, physical stories, that really tells us something about his divine uh, care for us in a spiritual sense. I am speaking to people here today that no doubt you have come into this place with a lot of stormy conditions in your life and you feel that, that, that maybe God is asleep, uh, that some people do not feel that they can have a real vibrant, live relationship with God. I like to even use the word tangible. Now, some people would take me to task on that. But I'll tell you, I believe that religion is intangible only when you have lost your personal touch with God. That, that when you have a personal touch with God, uh, you, you know you walk with Him, you talk with Him, you feel Him. I remember witnessing to a woman one time about the rapture and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we were working on a job together. I was in Bible school. And all of a sudden, you know, she grabbed her arms like this. She says, I feel these chill bumps all over me. And and I said, you know what you're feeling? She said, what? I said, you're feeling the presence of God. You can actually feel the presence of God. And she said, you know, I've been in church all my life. She was 44 years old. She said, "I, I was baptized and When I was an infant, I've been in church all my life, but this is the first time I've ever felt anything like this. And I talked to her about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there I prayed with her right on the job where I worked. Let me tell you something. The the storms of life may come, and you may feel that your little ship is sinking. You may feel that everything is going down, that there's really nothing, you know, all hope is gone. But there is a Savior. There is a Savior that... He may appear to be asleep, but my friend, he's the Lord of heaven, and he's looking down upon your little ship, and he knows the storm, and he knows the waves, and he holds it all in his hand, and just the whisper of his voice, I'm here to tell you, he can calm that, he can save you, and he can deliver you. Now, the Bible tells us that all men need salvation. Romans three twenty three. the Bible says, All have sinned, and they have come short of the glory of God. The Bible also tells us in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm here to tell you that if Jesus Christ is seeking for you today, and He is, if you'll just respond to Him, if you'll step out from wherever you're hiding, whatever separates you from God, if you'll step out and give your heart to the Lord, God can give you Bible salvation today. I'm talking about real Bible salvation today. I'm not talking about just putting your name on a church membership roll. I'm not talking about just starting to contribute to the church and going through some confirmation classes someplace. I'm not talking about going into the Christian stewardship class and learning a lot about Jesus Christ, which all those things may be necessary, but I'm saying that God today can give you a live, vibrant assurance that you are saved. You can have Bible salvation according to Scripture. And and I believe that that uh, most people, for the most part, people want to be saved. I told this little story about my grandson Bryce. We had uh, uh, moved down to the farm, and and uh, right after we'd moved down, in fact, we may not even had been in the, we may not have moved into the house at this time. But we were doing some work. John and Lori brought the kids down, and of course the three boys they they like to play, so they were for playing hide and uh, seek, <clears> and. <throat> One of the boys was it. Uh, you're familiar with that term, it. He was it. He said, you're it. So <coughs> they, were, they were hiding. Well, they would always find little Bryce, and he wasn't too good at hiding. So he came up to me and said, uh, Papa, he said, where should I hide? Well, we had a trailer, uh, a, a little small uh, trailer that went on a garden tractor, and I had it tipped up. And so what I did, I just turned it around toward the, the wall, and I said, get in there. And so he got in there, and uh, uh, you know you could you could you could hear him uh, moving around inside. I, I, I had to tell him several times now, shh, be quiet, don't move. But uh, I, I think Kyle was it, and Kyle found uh, Carl, and so they were both looking for Bryce. And <laughs> and so here, you know, Bryce was in there. They'd come up to me, and I could hear him moving around a little bit. And uh, they said, "Papa, do you know where he is? I said, I'm not telling. I'm not going to tell. And so they'd go, and they'd look behind this mound of hay. They'd go outside. They'd look all around. And they'd no more than leave. He'd stick his head out and said, did they leave? And, you know, he was dying to be found. That's the whole thing, you know. (laughs) And so I said, shh, make them look a long time. They came back in there, and they were talking to me. And would you believe right while they were talking to me and I was trying to be honest, <laughs> you know, to keep him hid, I was trying, you know, I didn't want to stretch the truth at all because they were saying, now you know where he is. Did you help him hide? I said, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying, but I feel like that you're going to be searching for a long time. And, and, and he knew that they, they were leaving. He knew they were leaving. And he knew he'd be safe for a while hiding where he was. But would you believe that anxiety got the best of him. He couldn't hold it any longer. You know what he did? He took his little arms and pushed, put, put on the barn, and he pushed trail and everything back and stuck his little head out, and he said, Here I am! <laughs> he was just a few feet from me and a few feet from them. And I thought, this is the way it is with people. There are a lot of people that are hiding. There are things that separate them from God. Maybe employment, maybe a relationship with a, an individual that's unwholesome. Maybe, maybe some infidelity here, or dishonesty here. There are a lot of things, but I think that most people who are in hiding, that they are truly wanting God to find them. Praise God! And so often, then they come into the presence of the Lord, and while they are hidden behind all of the cares of life and such, all of a sudden the the Holy Ghost just prompts them, and they step out. Here I am, Lord. I'm right here. I want to be found. There's no, there's, you know, there's no point in staying hid. There's just no point in staying hid. I remember reading a paper about a year ago, maybe two years ago now. They sit down at Stoughton, and of course this uh, is a Norwegian community. Uh, They said that uh, the all-time hide-and-seek champion uh, was from Stoughton. And this is what they said. They said that uh, they were renovating a house down there. Now, I actually read this in the paper. It's not something I'm making up. But they said the all-time hide-and-seek champion was from Stoughton. And they said that uh, uh, they were renovating a house down there, and they tore the front porch off, and they found a, a pile of bones, human bones. And so when they took them in and analyzed them, they found out that these were the bones of the all-time hide-and-seek champion who disappeared, they said, in 1923. <laughs> now, I actually read that in the paper. <clears throat> but, but you see, there, there's just no point in staying hid. Uh, and, and I don't think that... <laughs> I, I don't... I, I think that, that people are that way. They they may want to sow their wild oats. They may want to do this or that or, or the other. But after a while, you know, hey, this, this game gets tiring. It gets boring. It's... Uh, the wages of sin is death. It's long, it's hard, it's cruel. And, and man was made in the image and the likeness of God. And, and man needs a Redeemer. He needs a companion to walk with Him in the very darkness of the night when, when all people seemingly have gone to bed and, and perhaps even some have forsaken you. The Lord promised, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. Now salvation is available to all, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Peter goes to the household of Cornelius and, of course, Cornelius was the first Gentile after the day of Pentecost to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And and Cornelius, because he was a Gentile and because Peter was a Jew and And sometimes the Jewish people were somewhat uh, biased in their opinion uh, toward uh, Gentiles. The Lord let down a sheet from heaven, and Peter received this great vision, starting with verse 9 of Acts, the 10th chapter. And and then Peter knew that uh, when he went there, that this uh, great sheet had something to do with God wanting to visit the Gentiles. And so when Peter went to Cornelius' household, the Bible says... Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with God. And then as he continued to preach, he preached about Jesus Christ, and about Jesus Christ who was hanged upon the tree and shed his blood. And he shed his blood not just for the Jewish people, but he shed his blood for all men. It didn't make any difference where he came from, what walk of life. He was made no difference about his gender. God came to seek and save all men. And verse forty-two, the Bible says, and he preached us, and he commanded us to preach unto all the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and of the dead. And verse forty-three, to him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive. Remission of sins. Praise God. God can deliver you from your sin. He can deliver you from your bondage. He can deliver you from your waywardness. God can come and take this all away. Now, salvation comes by faith. The Bible tells us that. I have quoted a scripture to you, Romans 10, verse 9 through 13. Call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they hear? Without a preacher, and how shall he preach except he be sent? But one verse that I left out, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And the thing about it is, if you want to come to God, you need to manifest faith in him. You must believe in him. In Acts the 19th chapter, there is a passage of scripture concerning the apostle Paul who went to Ephesus and there he preached. The gospel message to some of John the Baptist's disciples. And the Bible says it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto then what were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So when John the Baptist was introducing the Lord, all of his disciples, he, he, he told them, Now there's one mightier than I coming after me whose shoe latches I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You shall put your confidence in him. Confidence in him, you should put your trust in him. don 't put your confidence and trust in me. I am the forerunner. I am not the redeemer. and our confidence and belief and faith should be placed in God, not in humanity. You see, Pastor Grant stands behind this pulpit, and I've been standing behind this pulpit almost twenty four years, but uh, twenty three years. but let me tell you something. Pastor Grant fails, but God never fails. We have elders in this church that have been elders and board members for a long time. Uh, they're great men, but elders can fail, but God never fails. Uh, we have young ministers, people going in the ministry. They're great people, but, but they can fail, but God never fails. The Sunday school teachers who stood up before uh, your congregation today and before this congregation and before your children and, and accepted them and passed them on to, to promotion to another class. They're great people, but they fail, but God never fails. God never fails. He is one that will be there always. You need to put your trust not in man, but you need to put your trust in the Almighty God. For in Him there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is always there. He's always seeking after you. He's always searching for you. He wants to save you. Put your confidence and put your trust in this. Now when they heard this in Acts 19, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. All the men were about twelve. Now, the thing about it is that, that I want to point out to you is that while, while salvation is available to all, and while it comes by faith, salvation is conditional. In other words, uh, it's really left up to you. Uh, God is not willing that any should perish. That's what the Scripture tells us but it is conditional. In Acts the 8th chapter, verse 37, and this is a record of, of <coughs> Philip preaching to the Ethiopian, and the Bible tells us that the Ethiopian had gone to Jerusalem to worship, but he wasn't really for sure about what he was reading in the Scripture. He was reading from Isaiah 53, and of course Philip came and joined himself to his chariot. They were riding, he was riding in a chariot, obviously pulled by, by horses and and so he joined himself, Philip did, to this man's chariot. Uh, chariot. And when he got on his chariot, uh, he saw that he was reading Isaiah 53, and he began to uh, ask this man questions. Do you understand what you read? And the man said, How can I, except some man should guide me? Now, it, while it is true that men fail, we also have a very important part in, in, in preaching the gospel to people. Angels do not preach it. But men, men preach the gospel. You see, the commission was given to me, and it was given to you. Preach the gospel unto all creatures everywhere. This gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, must be preached unto all men for a witness. Then shall the end come. And so Philip understood his important role in preaching the gospel. Even though he was a man subject to fault, he was a man subject to failing, he was identifying a God in heaven to this man that would never fail him that would never leave him, that would never forsake him. And so he talked to this man and and, and preached to him. Uh, the, the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture. He preached unto him Jesus Christ. After he had preached unto him Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that the, the eunuch then, you know, he just pulled back on the reins and, and the, the chariot comes into a screeching halt. And he said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip told the eunuch, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. If. If. If thou believest with all thine heart. You know, salvation is not an automatic thing, it is conditional. It's conditional. Why is it conditional? Because if you look in the Scripture, God does not force Himself upon anyone. He has given you your own free will to choose. I think one of the most beautiful doctrines taught in the Bible is what I call the doctrine of choice. You can decide. The real beauty of all of God's people gathering in the house of the Lord today is that they gather because they choose to gather. And I think when you read Revelation and you see when... The heavens and the earth have passed away and the great tribulation is over and the earth is totally renovated and made new. The Bible says there will be people from every nation kindred in tongue singing in the presence of God in the holy city. But the Bible says it was for whosoever will. Whosoever will. In other words, there will not be the pattering of feet of any individual in heaven that's there because God made them go they will be there by choice the choice is ours now he's not not willing that uh, we should perish second chronicles 169 tells us that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth Well, it is true that God is omnipresent uh, he, he he identifies himself upon several occasions with with various things that that we are well acquainted with uh, down around our place, uh, it's, it's interesting to me, when I leave the church, <coughs> I go down to Sprecker Road and go across to A.B. and head down A.B. and then I intersect with M.N. then turn A.B. south. We live about 10 miles from here. There are certain trees that I can always see hawks in. And uh, they just stay up there so, so erect. But every now and then I see one of them, as he's flying down, hovering over the land, he's seen something there uh, that... Uh, uh, he feels that uh, uh, he needs to investigate. And uh, while he's, he, he seems to be sitting perched so motionless, uh, uh, the eyes of that hawk, because of the way they're, they're set on the side of their head, that they have almost 360-degree uh, vision. They can see in front and, and almost all around. About 380-degree vision they have. They can Just the turn of the head just a little bit, they can, they can see everything. And, and, and any movement will cause them to spring uh, into flight, and uh, then they will hover over the field, and they will watch that. If there's anything moving, we're, we're going to investigate. Why? Because hunger pains set in. Uh, and, and while I don't like to think that, uh, you know, that uh, that God is set out to destroy, yet I, I do believe that there are some things in the bosom and the heart of God that drives God to search for us, uh, there is compassion and love and, and he wants to find you and, and he searches for you. Uh, the least change of attitude, wh- whatever, you know. Uh, you can be in a lot of different circumstances and sometimes these circumstances can call, pe- cause people to call upon the name of the Lord. He is there. He's searching. He's looking. Second Peter 3, 9, the Bible talks about The days of Noah when God sent the flood. But the Bible says in the days of Noah uh, that God was long-suffering. The flood could have come a lot sooner than what it did. But because God was long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, he prolonged the days. His searching eyes looked throughout the world looking for someone that he could save. God's not in the destroying business. He's in the saving business. And he wants to do just that. and i see god when he when he locks in on certain individuals and 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 he won't let go we had a hawk hovering over uh, a little patch of grass in front of our house back in the fall and i picked up the the binoculars and 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 this hawk would go down he'd come back up evidently uh, whatever was moving he was trying to 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 catch it he 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 didn't he, he he was not successful and he'd go back and he'd go back and he'd go back and, and there was just this one clump of grass, probably no bigger than the, the piano. But there's something in there he's looking for. He'd hover, and he'd go down, and he'd hover. I had the binoculars watching. He's not going to let go. And you know God's that way with us. You may say, I don't want God. I, I don't want to be saved. I, I wouldn't want to be Pentecostal anyway, or whatever. But God doesn't just take flight and fly away someplace and leave you. Keep searching for you. We won't let you go. <clears throat> As you know, my wife she just loves to work with horses, and uh, uh, she has a little little foal. Actually, he's approaching a year old, and she had him in cross ties in, in the barn the other day, and she was picking up his feet. And uh, uh, Charlie, and I might explain this to. I keep talking about Charlie, and several new people said, "Who is Charlie?" Well, it's Sister Grant's brother. And uh, Charlie came to the Lord last May during our revival with Brother Hollis, and uh, I really thank the Lord for what God has done for Charlie, and he's been such a blessing for us, uh, to us. But uh, he was showing, uh, Sister Grant was showing Charlie. Now this is the way you do him, but this is the way you you you, you have to do. Uh, if the horse wins a victory over you, uh, he'll he'll just keep trying that until you until you win a victory over him. Now, <coughs> the horse is a lot stronger than you. Even a, a two-month-old horse is stronger than a human being. But but you're smarter than he is, and so you have to use your brain against his strength. But at any rate, uh, Sister Grant reaches down to get little Rocky. We call him Rocky. Little Rocky's foot, and we're going to have to teach him to hold his foot up and not resist because the farrier would be coming, and putting shoes on him in time or whatever, or we will be picking his hooves out and getting rocks out and trimming them and and such. And Sister Grant says, Now, Charlie, the important thing is when you first pick up his his hoof, you should never let go. You've got to hang on. And I thought, Oh, no, now she's going to show him how to do this. And so she reached down, and she got a hold of little uh, uh, Rocky's foot. And she picked it up so far, and Rocky decided... This is all of this I want. (coughs) And Sister Grant had just opened her mouth. You should never let it go. And I'm here to tell you, uh, the biggest tussle took place right in the the center of the aisle of the barn. And I know if Sister Grant hadn't told Charlie, don't let go, she would have let go. But I'm here to tell you she had a hold on him. And of course, he having... Uh, Only three legs to stand on. Uh, And she's going to take advantage of this. And she held and she held. And his little leg was just going like this. And Sister Grand just just hanging on. Won't let go. Won't let go. I won't let go. And, And I think of God sometimes. I've seen people just fight and resist and fight and resist and fight and resist. But God is there, faithful. He does not want to let you go. Why? Because He sees the other side of the story. Now, the danger of neglect of salvation, Hebrews 2, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, How shall they escape if they neglect so great salvation? In other words, if Little Rocky just totally resisted and he never would give in, then what's going to happen to his hooves? He will live a very miserable life. It'll be a lot easier if he will give in. Neglect is found in Hebrews 2, uh, I find in the Greek, it it means not just failure to respond, but it also means to resist. There's some people that resist God, that when God first approaches them, they they resist. They will push back. They'll push back. I remember our oldest son, John, when we gave him his first haircut. We were going to take him to the barbershop. When he found out he was going to the barbershop, he started screaming. Now, I don't know that he knew that much about barbershops, but he just screamed and screamed and screamed. I thought, well, maybe I should just get him you know, accustomed to this. So I went to the store and bought a pair of clippers, and I set him down, and I'd I'd turn the clippers on, I'd put them up against his little head, and he'd almost go to sleep. He just loved that vibration, the clippers. But for some reason, (coughs) he knew that those were not made, you know, just to vibrate. Uh, he, He found out what they were for. Now, he's just a little lad, and he doesn't know how to talk, Uh, he's walking and uh, he's saying a few little words but no sentences or anything
1: i said well there's nothing
0: to it son and he just uh, he would not mean, he resisted no and and i said well i i I told darlene or sister grant i said i can't leave him like this man what are we going to do here he's got all this hair cut. You know, it was long, curly. You know. What are we going to do? <clears throat> I said, well, I, I told him, I said, now, son, now, Dad's going to have to cut your hair now. You're going to have to let me cut this hair. And uh, he, he mm, no way. I said, now, look, we're going to cut this hair one way or the other. This hair is going to get cut. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, my. So I got him over there, and I said, now, Mom, you hold him. And, and the very moment I'd touch him, he jerked like this. I said, oh, no, look at his hair. Why did I do this? I said, but I've started. I've got to do something with this. And, <clears throat> well, to make a long story longer, <laughs> actually what happened was I had to sit in a chair and hold him. I took his head and put his head between my knees. And Mom got down underneath and talked to him. And and I said, I have to cut his hair. What am I going to do? So I, I cut his hair. Uh, but he never did give in. And, you know, some people are that way with God. That, that when God visits them, they just resist. No way. We may love the vibration. A lot of people like this, clapping their hands and lifting their hands. But... But the plan of salvation is found in Acts, the second chapter. And I just want to read it for you today. Uh, This is the uh, message that Peter preached immediately after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost or the establishment of the New Testament church. He preaches Jesus Christ unto all the people who were gathered in Jerusalem to worship God on the day of Pentecost. And then the Bible says in verse 37, that Israel, the people who were gathered there, they were pricked in their hearts, and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord Our God shall call. It was just last Sunday that Jan Hack came into this place and God got a hold of her heart. She surrendered her heart to the Lord. We baptized her in water in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jan, after being baptized, lifted her hands and God filled her with the Holy Ghost, just like in the Bible. Praise God. Recently... Several people have given their heart to God. I think last week before last now, we had about 17 people total that were baptized with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. When Brother Crowder was here back in January, in one week, we had 22 people baptized with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Brother Hollis is coming to be with us on Easter Sunday, and he will stay through Pentecost Sunday, June 4th. And we're expecting 100 people to be baptized with a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, you can, you can resist God, but you've got to understand that while you're fighting, that, that there's a God that wants to save you. Now, he won't make you do anything. But he's not going to let go of you easily, quickly. No, he's going to hold on. Why? Because he knows that there's a life after death. Jesus came to save your soul. We know that the body dies, but there will be a resurrection. The Bible says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be called up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'd like for you to stand, if you would. This has been a very, very simple message today. But it is a message of hope. It's a message about our Redeemer. It's a message about the characteristics of God. God is long-suffering. He's full of compassion. His eyes search for you. He looks for you. He cares for you. He will not leave you. He will calm the storm that's around you. You drive back the waves that's our God that's our God and you know he wants to do that for you today and we're going to give you an opportunity to come and seek the Lord while God is seeking for you if you'll step out with faith and come he will meet you we have Christian workers throughout the building who would be glad to come and pray with you who would like to be the first one to come and give your heart to God? Just come and stand down the front on either side of the pulpit or right in front. Somebody will step out with you and come. Come on as our praise singers sing. <clears throat> Some of you brethren come and pray with Chris. Oh, God. Somebody else come, would you? Come on, right now. You want Jesus to save you? He is able. Step out right where you are. Come on down. Some of you sisters come and pray. Would you step out with Rose? Come on and pray with Rose. Rose has had some health problems. like to come and give your heart to God he stands with his arms stretched out today waiting for you come on just one more we'd like for the remaining uh, congregation to do if you're standing just bow your heads where you are and after you pray you may consider yourself dismissed remember our service tonight at six prayer in our prayer rooms at five thirty. god bless you and give you a great day and thanks for coming however if you'd like to come to the front for prayer if you need a healing or whatever we'd be glad to pray with you we want the praise singers to sing again And you can consider yourself dismissed unless you'd like to come and pray Pray. with these people.